Hey family, this is Joshua Jones. My wife, Lindsay, and I have the honor of being the lead followers of Way Family Church right here in Edmond, Oklahoma. Thank you for taking a minute to tune in. We pray the message gives you a different perspective about Jesus, His gospel, and what living life in His kingdom is all about. Take notes, listen intently, and be blessed. Okay, but I'm going to do my best. Um, I love the Lord. I grew up in a church home and uh, <clears throat> got church hurt, right? I was 16, I was 15 years old, and my older sister had gotten pregnant out of wedlock, and we lived in a very small town, and you know, my parents did the dumbest thing in the world and brought us all up, you know, I'm sorry, our family made a mistake. No, homie made a mistake, I'm just here, okay? <laughs> like, it ain't my fault, <laughs> like, you know? And you know, you're just, that's kind of what they did, you know, in the late 90s and all of that, so we're like standing up there oddly, like why people judge us of all the stuff, and um, so we're sitting there, and I remember vividly, this is where my life took a turn, a lady walked up in the church. She's got, got love them. She just comes walking up, and she's like, you know, grabs my hand, and she's like, oh, Lindsay, I could have swore been you before her. And I was like, and I remember vividly in my mind thinking from that point on, if they think it, why not do it? And from then on until I was about 25, I lived a life that was very far away from anything that had to do with church. Um, of course, I was an athlete, which just added on to the entire pressure of what that was like for a life. But I, it stuck in me. It probably still stuck into me into my mid-30s because you, it goes over and over in your head what people think. And I never really understood. I told Josh this. I actually told my father this last Christmas as we were sitting around in Colorado. I was like, Josh, help me understand who the father was who he is, but I don't think I figured that out until probably my early 30s. Because I knew what church was. I understood what it meant to be good, but I didn't understand who he was in that process. And up until then, and I feel like even more so now in the past two years, learning even more so what that means. How, what it means, what my striving is, in that process, you know, so you, and I got so burnt out on leadership topics, I was going to throw something at, like, I don't, I don't, I don't care, I'm about to punch my neighbor, like, how do you help me there, like, I don't, I, great, awesome, my personality is to lead anyways, but I'm real angry, so how do you process that, right, or how do you process actually being okay with certain things, like, how do you process life, how do you process when things don't go well? How do you process when that person makes you upset or not upset or whatever, or when my bank account's empty? How do you process that? You know, how do you process when you feel unloved or unwanted or insecure? How do you process life? Okay, like I can, my personality can fake it till we make it. Nobody would know. Nobody's going to know. Who's going to know? Nobody's going to know. Okay, like who's going to know? I'm going to know. All right? Like, nobody's going to know because I have a personality. I can fake it till we make it. And the Lord met me there so much that two years ago, he just, like, slapped me in my face. I was like, hey, you're faking it until you make it. I was like, well, it was working. You know, not really. I was a very frustrated person on the inside. But understanding who he was or 
continuing to understand who he is was something that I'm walking out. And the closer, the, the more I walk towards him, I'm not saying that he's far, but on this journey of life together with him, the more understanding I have wrapped around of who he is and the understanding of the different aspects and attributes of who he is. It's a complex situation. There's a complex situation here that we're just like, oh, everybody can wrap the brain around God is good or God is love um, even or, you know, he's our provider, things like that that we use in church lingo. But to say God is holy and actually understand the, the true nature of holiness and what he brings to the table sometimes can be confusing. The word holiness can be triggering for some and intriguing to others. Some see it as a word that they use to put on the outside of their church building, but have desired none of it doing it on the inside. Some of it use holiness as a portion to slash you up down one side or the other of how to behave correctly. Oh, that's not true holiness, you know? But I've come to know it as a description of who the Father actually is and understanding that. Now, I'm going to give you a, a warning. I am not a professional in the topic of holiness, period. Okay, this is an eagerly, a woman that's eager to learn more about it. And as I walk through it, the continual, as the Father's continually showing me aspects of what that means. You know, for me, I would probably say the word holiness or the aspect of holiness scared me because I saw it as the last thing. This is, if you didn't do this, hold, this is what holiness looked like, right? It's this thing over here and that you aspired to be. And if you messed up, you can't be over there, you know, and you slash this into a behavior mechanism. But it really is a misconception that I've had for a long time was holiness is rule keeping. It's not that at all. Sure, it provides clarity and understanding of possible boundaries, but it's more than just rule keeping. It's who he is. True holiness includes, but not limited to justice and mercy and truth, and righteousness. There's a whole, at, like a whole aspect of it that I don't even think we've tapped into really knowing what it's all about. We just say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. All right, everybody ready for lunch? You know, or you get real moved by a worship song, which I do. I am a feeler by nature. Like I can walk into a room and tell you real quick if it's like odd in the room. You're like, something's wrong. I am a feeler by nature, so a good song can bring tears to my eyes. When Nathaniel walked up, I was like, oh my God, just over here bawling my eyes out. Because in the nature of the simplicity of what it is, I was like, oh, I remember being 10. 10, right? He's 10. And I remember being 10 and not fully being understanding what it is, but being so true to what I know I'm feeling. And I never want to discourage that. That's the one thing that me and Josh, people don't always like that we bring kids to the front. That's not a thing. There's been people that have left this church because they find it annoying. I, they're like, I just, it's distracting. Da, 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 da. I understand. I really do. I'm grateful for the opportunity. Thank you for coming. We're not changing that. I don't, I want you to feel comfortable here. I never want you to not feel comfortable. I want you to stay. I want to do the things I can. But if you ask me to not have kids in worship, that's not going to be a thing. 
So we will shake hands, hug, love one another. I'll text you later. We can go to lunch. But that's not going to be a thing. Why? Because it's not just about, it's something about them being around me and me around them that can bridge back and forth of what the Father's saying. Because if I only think I have something to say, then it really negates who they are. And I can imagine if I was 10 years old and then somebody's like, oh, that's sweet. You're sweet. So if Nathaniel walks out there, don't tell him you're sweet today. Say good job. Okay? Because that's real. Oh, you, you're cute. He's so cute. Got up there and sing. That's so cute. Then you negate the holiness that's on his life. Because if God's holy and we're holy, then that makes me holy and that makes him holy. In my opinion, the concept of holiness contains two things contains absolute uniqueness and absolute moral purity. Absolute uniqueness and absolute moral, moral purity. The root word of holy means to cut out or to separate. The uniqueness set apart something different. When applied to everything outside of God, whatever is holy is whatever is set apart unto or for God. I've sectioned this off. A good example in the Old Testament was when they did the Sabbath day. They set it apart from all other days. And in the Old Testament, they constantly refer, refer to it as holy. It's a holy day. I've been intrigued. I've been watching this lady. that She's Jewish. And just the Jewish customs and the culture, it's very intriguing to me. So I just sit there and like watch her as she prepares for the Sabbath. And I'm like, you know like, you can't touch nothing. Like, you got, like, a warmer. And, like, my whole mind, like, I go through, like, I turn on lights. I do all the things, and I'm thinking of the stuff that they can't do. Um, when we were in Israel, I might have told this story, but they have two sets of elevators. Um, one for Shabbat, and it's called a Shabbat elevator that d pretty much stops on every floor. So if they go because they're not able to, sure, that's things that God, Jesus came and changed, but there's certain things that they, they are not allowed to touch the button. So it just stops on every floor. So it's very intriguing. But that was one way, that's an example that the Lord sanctified the Sabbath day and he called it holy. Another example we could use would be out of Exodus 3, where Moses had an encounter with God. <coughs> and he said to him, the ground right here that you're standing on is called holy. Not because the dirt was divine. I'm sure it was dirt. Like if you went outside, it, same dirt that your kids play in, my kids play in, that come in and we wash off. The dirt was not defined. But because the presence of the Holy One sanctified it, it set it apart. Because he had sanctified it, right? So, prime example, did anybody growing up in here have a mother or father that you couldn't go to, into a certain room? Like, did anybody have that? Okay, so I had a mom, my mom, love her to death, she, she cleans like the Nazis. Like, it was like, she just, man, if you didn't get it right, she just threw everything and was like, do it again! <laughs> Why didn't you just point at it? Like, what was wrong? Like, you know, all the things. And we had this long house, kind of, like, it almost felt like a trailer, but it was a house, like, everything's in one, just long, you have to walk from room to room, you know? So we always walked into the kitchen, and then there was like this little, little dining room, and then there was this room you couldn't touch, and then there was the living room. 
and pretty much you walked, and we called it the white room because everything in it was white, right? You couldn't touch it. We took pictures in there for holidays. That's all you could do in this room. Like, if you even looked at it crazy, she knew. So you'd, like, walk in and just, like, very walk through just to go to where you normally could, like, sit on couches. You couldn't sit on those couches. You couldn't do anything. Like, literally, we took prom pictures there. That's the extent of what happened in this room. Never, I don't even remember, I don't remember anything else. If she was here, she'd be like, be quiet. That's not true. It is the truth. <laughs> that is exactly, if my siblings were here, they would tell you that is exactly what happened in this crazy house. It's kind of like that. Not maybe as Nazi like, like my mom was, but it's kind of, it's a set apart situation. It's a place that not necessarily you can't touch. In the Old Testament, it was like that. In the New Testament, it changed. But it was kind of like my mom's white room, okay, with her white couches. It was set apart. Sometimes our conversations can lead to communicate that holiness is just a part or a piece of God. It can suggest that God moves in between attributes when deciding how to be. One day, he chooses to be loving. Another day, he chooses to be vengeful. Not true. We take stories out of context of the holiness of God. Example, in uh, 2 Samuel 6, where the King David placed the ark on a new cart, which was wrong anyways. <laughs> so, when you carried the ark of the covenant, it was supposed to be on two poles. Carried him on their shoulders. There's a lot of details I'm leaving out. Go look it up, okay? All right, ain't got time. Right here, but they set it on a new cart, which is the wrong way to carry it. And then it, I'm giving you very cliff note versions. Please just go read it, okay? There's a lot of people and a lot of names I can't pronounce that happened in this story, right? And then he carried it, and the oxen stumbled. I think you pronounce it Yusei, Yusea, Yusei. U-Z-Z-A-H. Y'all decide. Okay? And out of impulse, he went to grab the ark. And when he did, he grabbed it with his hand, which was not allowed. And God struck him dead. I was sitting here trying to do what I was supposed to do, carrying it. And so all of us, were just like King David did, he got angry. We get angry. Like, God, why would you do that? Why would you be vengeful? Why would you do these things? But moreover, there were Levites that probably knew God's instructions and should have made it his will known to David. Ignorance and forgetfulness do not negate God's specific commands. You know, God later proclaims in Hosea, my people are destroyed by the lack of knowledge. So what it is, is usually holiness is when we get it wrong or we don't understand it is based off of a lack of knowledge of who he is and what he desires to be. So what you don't, what you don't know can hurt you. Because of neglect and not understanding what God's asking us to do in certain seasons. I got really convicted when I read that story. This has nothing to do necessarily about what I'm speaking about today. But I was like, oh, how many of us have had a situation, especially in church, especially church leaders, but I put myself in that same scenario, have tried to take specific what we think God's trying to do. So he says, carry it on two poles, put it on your back, 
don't touch it, and sing forth as you carry the ark in. And that's my version. Please go read about it. Okay, here. But instead, we're like going to make it easier on everybody, and we take the thing that's precious and put it on a cart and walk beside it. And he said, great, I didn't ask you to do that. I didn't ask you to do that. So even though in good intent, we still get it wrong. And I think to myself, how many times have I had led worship that I was supposed to carry it on two poles, but to make it easy enough for myself, I put it on a cart. And God said, no, that's not what I asked you to do. Though it could be easier in your eyes, that's not the instructions I gave you, Lindsay. I said, put it on two poles and carry it. But that's a, that's a lot of work. That's a lot of work. And maybe not to you, but to me. It was a lot of work. What David desired to do was to restore worship back to the nation. What he ended up doing was ordering a different way of accomplishing it outside of what God had ordered. Is, he, is God not loving in that moment? How do we take his holiness out of context in a situation where he comes in in that scenario? I'm just there. I'm just here just to make you think. I'm not trying to, hmm. Would most people see that as vengeful? Does that make him not holy? Is he not loving? Did he decide to leave love outside of it? I don't know. I, like, I love my son. I love to tell stories about him because he's funny. He's super easygoing, really chill kid. We'll do pretty much we were talking about last night. <clears throat> uh, they were at Tiffany and Stevens yesterday while I had to work. And something, <laughs> he will do things even if he doesn't like them, you know, like he'll just keep playing even though he really doesn't want to do them like he's that kind of kid. But we were at the zoo Friday night. I took, took them to see the safari lights or whatever and to get out of the house. So we could all just get out of the house. I was like, we all got to get out of the house. And so we went, and he kept doing something that I asked him not to do. Was the situation, like, where he probably could have got hurt? No. But I kept telling Honor, don't do that. Don't touch that. Don't do that. And then, I mean, I did get a little like, I said, don't do that. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not even going to lie. <laughs> like, you know, he's like, <laughs> you know. But he took certain things of, hey, why don't we walk this way and have a good time and skip down to now he's hitting everything along the way. Was he skipping? Sure. But was he doing out of context what I asked him to do? Yes. When me telling him not to do that, that was he putting in danger? No. But what he could do is cost me, I would have had to pay for a lot of light objects I didn't want to pay for if they would have broken. But I had asked him not to do it. Did I have to explain to him in very detail? I mean, maybe he's eight, but just what your mother says, stop touching stuff. You know, in the nature, sometimes God does that. We don't understand all of the reasons why. We don't understand what it means, but does it make him less holy? It doesn't, when he tells us no, it doesn't make him less holy. It just makes him in a place that he's understanding. We have to go, hmm, your ways are higher than my ways. My understanding isn't always your understanding, but I'm going to know when you tell me to go left, I'm going to go left. 
and I'm going to know that understanding these things are for a particular reason. And when you ask me to carry the ark on my back and on my shoulders, it's for a reason. Even though the cart would be easier and the oxen are made for it, it would be a lot easier to do it that way. But you asked me to do it this way. So sure, as everything in this particular to make the way church happen, would it be easier to put some things on a cart and get some oxen to carry it forward to make my life easier? Yes. But he said, no, I've asked you to put it on your shoulders, put two poles, and you carry that thing to flourishing. That's the same thing that happens for me happens for you. Yes, God, it would be easier if I put that thing on a cart and let what things were made for to carry it. But that's not what I've asked you to do. I've asked you to see me, to understand me, to know that I'm holy, and to put the two poles on your shoulders and begin to carry it out. Will it be tiring? Probably. Will it be frustrating? Probably. Will you be overwhelmed at times? Probably. But when it gets to, when that thing gets to the next location that it's supposed to be and the continuation of the singing over it, holy, holy, holy. And if you understand and you go on to read about the ark, it indicates every place pretty much that it laid rest became blessed and highly favored in the cities that it obtained in. So what I'm carrying Wherever it goes, no matter which situation, becomes blessed and highly favored because of the holiness of who he is. My limited understanding about holiness is what I've seen people think. What if God was a pie and holiness was one slice of it that's set aside from others? However, holiness is not an aspect of God. Holy is who he is. So I can't just take, okay, I really like sweet potato pie, so if anybody's really good at it and wants to make me one, you're welcome. Thank you. So if I take a slice of sweet potato pie and go, this is my holiness piece, and this is my loving piece, and this is my this, my, my giving piece, and this is this piece, then really this whole pie isn't what you think it is. And he said, I'm not one piece of it. I'm all of it. Because his attributes are never at odds with one another. His attributes are never at odds with one another. Nor do they switch places depending on God's mood. They don't switch places. He doesn't become holy and then he becomes loving. No, God's love is holy love. God's peace is ever so present. It's a holy peace. It's not one slice. It's the whole pie. It's ever encompassing. So if we are as though in image of who he is, there's not one slice of us that's holy. In 1 Peter 1.16, he says, Be holy even as he is holy. Be holy, be holy, be holy. He did not say, do holy, do holy, do holy. To be an awful way to say that. He said, be holy, be holy, be holy. But because doing holy does not, or but doing holy 
does come out of being holy. So if I'm holy, the things and the aspects of my life ultimately overflow from that. You know, I, at this stage in my life, like if I really am mean and a brat to somebody, I feel real guilty. And it eats at me. And even if I don't want to, I got to go apologize. And I will pick up the phone, even if I feel like I'm right. And I'll be like, hmm. hi, it's Lindsay. And I shouldn't have acted that way. I shouldn't have treated you that way. And I was wrong. And I'm sorry. Does that make me a good person? Maybe. But it also makes me continue to walk out in the holiness to which he has for me. So because I'm in being holy, the things that um, are not normal for other people become normal for me. So being apologetic and understanding and saying, oh, and you know what? My heart hurts for what people hurt for. It it Josh just sits there and is like, I don't know. When things happen in our community, even if it doesn't affect me directly, like I get all kinds of upset and worry and I begin to pray and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is going to hurt their feelings. Like I don't even, it doesn't even affect me directly, but my goodness, I'm thinking about their families. I'm thinking about what they're feeling and understanding because one part of the body, if it's affected, it doesn't matter. Like you can function with a broken arm, but if it's a part of the body, you got to fix it. Holiness is in us by way of union. We are holy because he is. Isaiah 6, 3. And one cried to one another and he said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is filled with his glory. The whole earth. It didn't say the church building is full of his glory. Could could be. He said the whole earth. So everything my foot touches, everything my hand touches, everything I come in contact with, when I walk outside and see the nature and the beauty of who he is, it's full of his glory. The understanding of the nature of walking around people or scenarios or people that maybe don't live like I live, his glory fills the room. How? Because if we're made in his image, and we walk in his holiness, then when I walk into a room, it's filled with his glory. Do I feel like I deserve that? Could carry it? No. I make a lot of mistakes. Josh does too. Just wanted everybody to know that. <laughs> Just in case you were curious. <laughs> oh, he had to send me flowers this week because he was mean. Okay? <laughs> I will take a picture of it. <laughs> Don't tell him I told you. <laughs> That's how, it's marriage, y'all. It's marriage. <laughs> we are humans. All right? But it's all, I'm going to get off track. You can come, Darla. I thought it was very interesting he didn't use love, love, love is the Lord of hosts. Or good, good, good. But holy, holy, holy. 
in the Hebrew language and literature, the use of repetition was in common practice. They did it often. You, you even look in uh, the New Testament when Jesus speaks. He did that a lot. He would begin a lot of his lesson saying, truly, truly, I say unto you. He even used it um, when he would use it as a term of endearment when he would call people. In Exodus, he said, Moses, Moses, don't come near. Or Simon Peter, Simon Peter. Or when he was talking to Martha, he's like, Martha, Martha. He would use it as a sign of endearment. But there are only two times in the Bible where you see the verbiage used to explain God in the third degree. It was in Isaiah and then in Revelation 4.8 where he said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And to God, holy, holy, holy is to say that God's most holy. He's totally holy. He's completely holy. He's unwaveringly holy. His holiness is not a derivative of some other source. His holiness is essential to the nature of who He is. God is unique and He's different. He's distinct from everything else that exists. I'm still working this out in my brain, so I just want you to know that when I say this out loud. Okay, it's still a work in progress. Even though life begins with God, with God there's no beginning. Meaning He exists because he exists and he needs no one but himself to be therefore he always has and always will be even though life begins with God with God there's no beginning he exists because he exists and therefore he will always what it always has, and he always will be. In the sixth chapter of Isaiah, we provided with a vision of that God sets a table for holy communion with him. His holiness is both transcend, transcendent and morally pure. On a throne independent of time. He's high and he's lifted up and yet holy enough to humble himself to death. Rising again to sit at his rightful place where the creatures sing yet tire about him at Revelation 4, 8. Though he, and through him we receive the kingdom that can't be shaken. I have a, an author and a podcaster that I listen to often. She said, if God is holy, then he cannot sin. And if he cannot sin, then he can't sin against me. And if he can't sin against me, shouldn't that make him the most trustworthy being there is? So if God is holy, then he cannot sin. And if he cannot sin, then he cannot sin against me. And if he cannot sin against me, then shouldn't that make him the most trustworthy person or being there is? Holiness is a language of faith. Holiness is a language of faith. According to the writers in Hebrews, without faith, it's impossible to please God. It's out of Hebrews 11:6. So then faith must always be a part of the discussion of how we interact with Him. Without it, we're damnable. With it, we move mountains. 
Without it, we're an unstable sea. With it, we're home built on a rock. Our faith is usually the first thing that's attacked. Our unbelief in Him. So if holiness really understanding the holiness of who He is is saying that we have full trust in who He is. And honestly, a lot of us where we get tripped up is that the projection that God will share the nature as those that have sinned against us. Say it again. We have projected our view onto Him of what has happened to us and the nature of those that have sinned against us. So because we don't trust people, we ultimately don't trust Him and then ultimately thinks that we He's not holy. That's where we, we, we get the holiness of like the Lord of hosts and being over, you know, we get those concepts of being holy or he's sovereign or, you know, we, we actually probably a lot of times, I don't know, maybe you, maybe me, I don't know, like the concept of holy ground and in Moses and keeping your face away, like we can kind of concept like he's so holy, we can't look at him. But when he came and he died or when he came as a, as a baby <laughs> and understanding the nature of who he was sorry that's my phone telling me to stop the nature of who he was and who, how, we, how he came we have a hard time understanding we can be holy because ultimately we don't understand his own holiness because of our own projection of what that looks like everything anchored in him is righteousness so there's nothing he will allow or do with anything else but good. But that's hard when bad things happen. When I stood in the hospital room with my father, knowing I had uh, from 5.15 cooking chicken, at 6.30 in a hospital room telling me he's dead, I had done, that was bad. That was a bad day. But God was still holy. So understanding, even in my good times and in my bad everything's anchored and he's still good it's understanding holiness what's true in the old testament jesus came and made way for us to come near and just like i said earlier in moses in exodus moses said they said don't come near they hid their face in his presence the priest could only enter into the Holy of Holies once a year. We can talk about that on another night, day. But what happened in Bethlehem, I know it's Christmas and it just happened to work out. Came a baby boy on one holy night in a stable. And what could have never happened before happened that night where what no one had ever done before happened that night and you say what is that Lindsay he was touched and swaddled so what was against in the old everything in the old testament where you couldn't come near if the the ark of the covenant was touched you died 
you couldn't look upon his face. He scratched all that and said, no, I'm going to come in the most rare, simplified form. And I'm going to let you swaddle me in closeness. And what was known to be, I'm going to be like you. And you're going to be like me. And after, after that moment, Jesus touched eyes. He touched leopard. He came and walked with people. And his holiness became something that walked with us. Be holy even as he is holy. One holy night changed and shifted for each one of us in here. Of the navigation of how we should see him, understand him, walk with him. Again, this is an ongoing process for me. I don't have the answers and this is a really bad stopping point. But I knew, I, first of all, I don't say anything other than what the Father tells me to say. I learned that a long time ago. And second, as I evolve in the conversation, I'll let you know. But as I stand and look at stars, and understand the vastness of who he is and understand the vastness of our galaxy it reminds me of the vastness of who he is and the holiness to which he is and what seemed as though impossible to be in reach of became on one holy night very accessible for you and I he's holy Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is to come. Who was and is to come. I want you to go home in your car in your house and just begin to walk out holy 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 is the Lord God Almighty and it become present in my everyday and understand that his attributes are not at odds with each other they're one whole piece and as this whole piece, it fills the whole earth with his glory. The whole earth with his glory. Can we just stand together and pray before we leave? If you want to, if you just lift your hands. Most holy, 
You're completely holy. You're unwavering in your holiness. Father, as we go and we enjoy such a wonderful week, I pray that your holiness is filled. It's overflowing in us everywhere we go and everything that we do. Father, I pray that there's some people in this room that as they go home and actually throughout the week, they'll be more intrigued to get in your word than ever before. That the words on this paper and in this book will just jump off at them and you'll begin to just navigate and research and go through. That they'll just, things will be highlighted inside of them. Father, I thank you that your word is coming alive inside of us that it's not just something we hear on Sunday mornings but it's something we're going to actually embody and embrace and we'll begin to learn scripture that just totally takes us to a new place and a new level with you but I just pray that today I pray that we just somehow whether it's in the morning or in the evening even if it's by audio we'll just be more intrigued to know more about him we'll be intrigued to know more about him Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and who is and who is to come. praise today thank you as we travel home and we see family maybe this week that we do it inside of your presence we do everything inside of your presence let the joy of the Lord be our strength this week in Jesus mighty name everybody said amen thank you for coming Thank you for taking a moment to listen in to what Jesus is doing right here at Way Family Church in Edmond, Oklahoma. If you want to be a part of helping us to continue to share the gospel and get it out to as many people as we can, you can do that via Cash App at dollar sign Way Family Church, or you can visit our website at wayfamilychurch.com and click on the giving tab. For more information about Way Family Church, you can connect with us on all social media platforms or simply go to wayfamilychurch.com. Be blessed.